I'm Katie, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you and your family are here, and we would love to get connected with you. One easy way you can do that is text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website, therivertrch.cc, to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what now? What now? A lot of times I feel like I get asked that question, right? We, we, we talked, we've been uh, diving into, or we've just wrapped up our series on, you know, like what to do when this, right? And we talked about all the different things that kind of got us to our end, right? When we were, we're about to give up or before you give up, what those things are that we have to take a look at, right? And, and we kind of got to the point, right, where we said, all right, it, you know, we have to deal with being tired. We have to deal with our sin. We have to deal with all these different things, our hurt, all these different things. If we want to look and say, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you, or I want to work on my recovery process. I want to deal with my addiction. And so we got to that point where we had to look at all those things specifically, right? Those things that got us there to the point where we were ready to give up. But now the question comes, what now? What now? What do we do? Once we've figured out what got us to the point where we fell or where we're at a very dark point or where we are at our lowest, what now? What do we do? And so I've been excited about this series for a while now, especially as I got a chance to preach our last series on Before You Give Up. But this idea of the rise after the fall. And really, it is that, that question. It really is the answer to that question, what now? Right? As we looked at the things that kind of got us to where we were, what do we do now? And so one of the greatest things about Scripture is that we get to see people who are very similar to us. Yeah, they may have been living thousands of years before us. Yeah, life may have looked different. But a lot of the things that they went through and the questions that they asked are very similar to what we still ask today. And we're going to be looking at people who ask that very question, what now? We're going to be taking a look at scripture that helps us see that God still loves to redeem and restore, and that there is hope for us even after we fall, even during the darkest points in our lives. And so tonight I'm really excited because we're going to be kicking off with a story that takes place after one of the most well-known parts of Scripture. After an instance that you may have heard about, maybe if you grew up in the church in Bible stories, or you may have heard just talked about throughout daily life, right after the Ten Commandments. Now, you may have heard of the Ten Commandments, you maybe know the story of the Ten Commandments, but you probably don't know what comes after the Ten Commandments. So we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, but before we do, we're going to pray together if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, 
We love you. Lord, we are so incredibly thankful for your word. We're so incredibly thankful for the insights that it gives us. Lord, in the stories that are recorded in your word, the history that is there, and the questions that people wrestled with that are so very similar to the questions we wrestle with today. Lord, and we thank you for the answers that you give. Lord, we love you. In your precious holy name, Jesus' name, amen. Turn me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 33. All right, Exodus chapter 33. It's going to be at the very beginning portion of your Bible, if, you, uh, if you're turning there with me. Uh, but essentially, I want to give you a little bit of the background of what happened. So if you don't know the story, uh, essentially what happens is all the Hebrew people or the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And so God appoints Moses as his speaker, and he goes back to, to Egypt, and he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. And essentially, there's this battle that happens, right, between Pharaoh and, and Moses, where Pharaoh continually will say yes, and then change his mind to no, and then uh, the Lord sends plagues on Egypt, and then it's kind of yes and no, and then there's stubbornness, and there's all these different things involved. But essentially what happens is eventually Pharaoh relents and lets the Hebrews go. And as he lets him go, he realizes, hey, I didn't actually want to do that. He changes his mind at the last second. And so he sends all these, all these chariots and soldiers after them and uh, they begin to pursue them. And that is where we see a, a, an incredible miracle, right? Where God, through, the, through Moses, parts the Red Sea. And the Israelites walk through across the Red Sea. And they end up in the wilderness. And then as the Egyptian soldiers are going through, he closes the Red Sea. And, and the Israelites are free, right? And so they, they, they see this incredible work of the Lord. And he leads them to the base of this mountain. It's called Mount Sinai. And as you're at the base of the mountain, he says, okay, Moses, come up onto the mountain. We're going to have a conversation. Don't let anyone else on the mountain. You guys sit tight. Don't get distracted, right? You just saw some crazy works that I did. I am your God. I will protect you. I will provide. Don't get distracted. And so Moses goes up onto the mountain. And while he's up on the mountain, he's communing with God, and he receives the, the first iteration of the Ten Commandments. The Israelites, they didn't do the one thing they were supposed to do, right? They got distracted. And so they, they start to wait, and like all of us, they got very impatient. And while they were waiting, someone had the bright idea to say, hey, we, we think Moses... Uh, we don't know really what happened to him. He may have gone up to the mountain and died. He may have gotten eaten. The Lord may have killed him. Uh, we don't really know. So here's what's got to happen. We need to commemorate all that's happened. So we're going to get all the gold we can together. We're going to melt it down. And we're going to make a bowl to represent God, which is like a big no-no, right? We, do, we don't do any images to portray God. That's an idol, right? That's idol worship. And so... They, they, but they decide, hey, this is what needs to happen. They got distracted and they begin to worship this golden calf. And while Moses and God are talking, God says, Moses, you'll never guess what happened. 
he goes, while you're gone, while we're having this conversation, they already broke some of the commandments. And, and they've done this. And God gets incredibly angry, right? His wrath is churned up because they disobeyed him and they went against him. And, uh, and he's like, all right, Moses, we're going to start over with you. And Moses is like, hold on, hold on, God. I'm frustrated and angry just as much as you are, but they're your people. Let me go talk to them. And so Moses goes down the mountain and he gets down. And I think Moses was kind of hoping that things weren't going to be as bad as they actually were. And when he gets down to the base of the mountain, he's holding the Ten Commandments on these two massive stone tablets, and he sees what's going on. Moses takes the two stone tablets, and he smashes them on the ground in his anger and frustration. And so there's this incredible scene, and he just, he just lets the Israelites have it. He's like, how could you do this? He, he, they, he just goes in. He just lays into them, right? You cannot do this. And then the Lord, you know, he, he comes with his punishment and he, he gives them some direction. And then in Exodus chapter 33, as God is ex- still extremely angry with the Israelites, Moses goes to the Lord and he has a conversation with him. And we get a sneak peek into what Moses had to say to the Lord. And that's where we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. It says this. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And so there's this moment, right, where Moses goes before God and he says, here's the thing, God, I was with you. I didn't do any of that golden calf stuff right? If I found favor in your sight, here's the deal. Show me what we do now. Show me how we can walk the way that you want us to walk. Show me how we can please you and find favor in your sight. Help us to fix what's been broken. Please, And remember that these people are yours, that you saved them, that you brought them out of Israel, and that they are your people. And let me lead them and show them how we can fix this. There are plenty of times in my life where I have felt a lot like the Israelites. Right? Where I know what's right, and wrong, and I did wrong for whatever reason, right? And got caught, right? I wasn't supposed to eat from the cookie jar, and I got chocolate chips all over my face, right? Get caught. And there's been a ton of times where in that moment, right, of shame and fear and consequence, right, where I've looked and said, Man, I need to make things right. I need, I need to fix what's gone on. Here's the thing. You cannot fix things on your own. You can't fix things in your, your walk in addiction. 
right? Can't just try hard enough. You can't fix things in the relationships that you broke, right? The lies you've told, the people you've manipulated, the things you've taken. You can't fix that on your own. You can't fix your relationship with God on your own. Right? That may be really contrary to maybe what you've heard, right? Maybe you've heard that you need to, to just go to church enough and then you'll fix it. Or you need, to, you need to do this, or you need to give enough money, or you need to, you know, whatever that may be, and that'll fix it. It won't. It won't. Because here's the thing. In our sin, we disobeyed God. That's what sin is, right? God has given us a very clear plan for how he wants us to live. And when we do what is contrary to God's plan, that's sin. That's disobedience. And the thing about sin is it leads us to death. Really, God's word, the the plan which God has laid out for us, is a path to life. Right? We look at it as a list of do's and don'ts that God is just trying to dictate things to make our lives hard or to make us subservient. No, what he's doing is he's giving you a path to live for life. To have life abundantly with God. And when you sin, you are choosing death. You are choosing you as an idol. And in in trying to save your life, you're losing it. And the thing is, our sin means death for us. And we are condemned, right? We're in spiritual debt. The Israelites were in a spiritual debt, right? They could not go before the Lord. And so Moses went before the Lord and he interceded, right? We have an intercessor as well. It's a fancy word for someone who goes before us. Almost in the the same way like like a judge goes before, or a lawyer goes before a judge, right? Moses went before God And we have an intercessor. We have someone who goes before God. And his name is Jesus Christ. And the amazing thing about Jesus is he came and he lived on earth. So he understands he's walked a similar road to us. And he's faced faced temptation. Temptation from the devil. And he still did not sin. He still lived in perfect obedience to God. So he's lived this perfect life, right? And not only is it he our intercessor, the one that goes before God, but he is the sacrifice. He did the time we deserved. We were guilty. But he went to the cross and he died on the cross, not because of anything he did wrong, not because of any sin or disobedience that he committed, but because he loved us and he saw our need in the same way the Israelites had need. He saw our need and he went and he paid the price with his life. He died on the cross and then he rose again, having paid in full the penalty which we incurred. And he offered us that, that salvation, right? Right? 
He said, if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that I am Lord and that I've risen from the dead, that you can find forgiveness. He said, if you want that salvation, if you want to be part of my people, if you want to follow me, here is how to do it. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that I am Lord and I have risen from the dead. And so we see there's this beautiful parallel right here between what Moses has done for the nation of Israel and what Jesus has done for us. And so tonight, if you have not received salvation, right, that is the gospel, that is the good news, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, died because of your disobedience, and he offers forgiveness for you. That comes if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and that he is risen from the dead. That is good news. That should be something that is good to hear. And he says, this is salvation. If you have not received that salvation, I would love to talk with you. Because that good news is everything. That salvation is everything. That is the start to the question, what now? If you're struggling, if you're sitting at your lowest, if you're at a place like the Israelites where you know I've done wrong after wrong after wrong, here's the truth. You can't fix it, but someone else has made a way. And that is Jesus Christ. He will help you fix it. He is your intercessor and he is the payment. Turn to him. And so tonight, if you haven't done that, there's your place to start. And as we have this intercessor, and as Moses is this intercessor for the nation of Israel, we see God's response. Jump down to verse 17. It says this. Uh, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And so we see this beautiful picture that the Lord saw fit to show grace and mercy to the Israelites. He says, I hear you, and yes, I will teach you. I will give you the way in which you can walk in redemption, the way in which you can fix the things that have been broken, I will show you and I will continue to show you grace as you look to grow and as you look to figure things out. And I will continue to show you mercy because I have chosen to show you mercy now. As you look to walk the path of redemption, you need to know that the Lord will continue 
to forgive you. He will continue to show you grace. He will continue to show you mercy. And that's not a reason to use license, right? I know us, right? As addicts, we like to push the limit, right? Someone gives us an inch, we like to take a mile. But truly understanding the payment That which was paid for us to have forgiveness should cause us to think twice about taking advantage of it. Right? When you think about the, the payment, the blood of Jesus Christ, and we truly understand that he is our Lord, that he is our Savior, and that he bought that very forgiveness which the Lord gives us over and over and over again with his blood and his pain and his tears, and his suffering on the cross should cause us to maybe think twice about taking advantage of it. But, on the flip side, those of us who get bogged down in, in shame, and beating ourselves up, and feeling not good enough, know God has chosen to give you mercy. He has chosen to give you grace. And that is sufficient. That that means that's enough for you. You are not a better sinner than Jesus is a savior. You didn't hear that. You are not a better sinner than Jesus is a savior. He's a much better savior. And so the Lord expresses this truth to Moses. He says, hey, you've been given mercy. I I will heap mercy and mercy and grace and grace on you. I've chosen to give you mercy and I will show you the way. And Moses once again asks this question, what now? And the Lord provides the path to obedience, the path to redemption. Look at the beginning of, of, of chapter 34. So Exodus 34, verses 1 through 10. We're going to read this. And I encourage you to follow along with me because this is a, a chunk of text. But this is a very incredible piece to which God says, Hey, this is the way that I want you to live. It says this. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourselves two tablets of stone like the first. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me at the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite the mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first and he rose early in the morning and went out up on Mount Sinai and the Lord commanded him and took in his hand Two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin by who will be. Uh, will by no mere 
no, uh, by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and their children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let, uh, let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. And, and he said, behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among you, or among whom you are, shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. And so there's this beautiful passage of scripture, right? Where Moses is commanded, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this over again, right? Go make some tablets, come up on the mountain, and I will give you my word. And I will proclaim my name. And I love the name that is proclaimed of the Lord here, right? The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Man, that's a God that I need. Man, that's a God that I need. That's a God you need. And you need to remember in the midst of working through that sin and growing and seeking him. Right? But he, he gives them this commandments, these ten commandments. He said, here is my word. Live according to this. If you want to walk the path of redemption, live by my words. Lord, the Lord saw fit to give them a path to redemption, and it comes through obedience to his word. For you tonight, if you want to walk a path of obedience, or a path of redemption, you want to know where it comes? Obedience to his word. For some of you, that means starting to know his word. How are you going to obey something you don't know? You need to read it. You need to read his word. You need to understand his word. For some of you, that means doing things you don't always want to do. Or not doing things that you really want to do. And giving that up so that you can follow the Lord that you professed. And as you've been forgiven through the intercession of Jesus Christ, you are offered the same thing, right? This path to redemption that comes from obedience to God's word. One of the things that I love about this passage is that final line, right, in verse 10. It says this, For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. My wife hates when I use the word awesome. She does. She hates it. Because she's like, oh, it sounds like such a bro word, right? Oh, dude, that's awesome, right? But when I think of the word awesome, I, I think about the actual, like, root and definition, right? And that root word is 
awe, right? Being in awe, right? Something so incredible that your only response is to stand and just be like, wow. Awe, right? And to think about that word awesome, right? Something that only fills you with awe. That's the Lord's plan, right? For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you, right? This promise is issued to the Israelites, but it is true for you. God has an awesome plan for you. And you know, want to know where that plan is found? Obedience to his word. Obedience to the word of God. Obedience to the plan that he has laid for you. And that plan is life. That is awesome. And when I think about some of the people that are in this room, right? Some of your table leaders, some of the people who I know their testimony, right? As they have followed the Lord, and as they have sought obedience to his word, and as they have received forgiveness through the grace of the gospel and salvation... Man, I sit in awe. I'm like, man, that is awesome. That can be your story. That can be you tonight. Whether that you're here for a loved one who's struggling in addiction, God can do an awesome work in that. Or whether you're here in your own addiction, man, God can do an awesome work in that. Maybe you're here and you're not an addict and you're just, you're just here because you felt like the Lord is bringing you here tonight. Man, God can work an awesome thing in you too. That is true. God has an awesome plan for you. And it comes as we are obedient to his word. And so the question truly that you have to ask yourself tonight is, will you follow the awesome plan that he has laid out for you in his word? Will you be obedient to the awesome plan that he has laid out for you in his word? Or will you choose to go your own way? Let's pray tonight. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word and the the story that's here and the truth that comes from it. I thank you for this beautiful example of how your son Jesus Christ has been an intercessor for us. Lord, that he paid the price with his life so that we could be your people. Lord, tonight I pray that we would follow your plan. And Lord, for my friends in this room, whether that means the start of salvation tonight through accepting the gospel whether that means starting to read your word and understanding the plan that you have for them, or that means putting their their feet on the ground and beginning to walk in obedience to your word and what it calls them to. Lord, I pray that we would all seek to follow the awesome plan which you've laid out for us, and that is a plan for life, a guidance, a guide to life abundantly, and that is with you. Lord, we love you. We trust you. Precious in holy name, Jesus' name, amen.